Hey, welcome to the Rancher Radio Podcast. And coming up, we're going to talk about space, and we're going to talk about Americans' youth, and we're going to talk about uh, some upcoming events that are going on with the fellowship as well as the foundation. So we've got a lot of good stuff to talk about right now on the Urantia Radio Podcast. Well, it is nice to be back, and I appreciate those. I know I try to drop a new episode of the Urantia Radio podcast once a week, but I have to be honest with you, it's been it's been a hell of a month. My uh, youngest son, uh, who is not that young, he's actually a young adult, has uh, he's involved in a project which he is uh, adventuring on. He's stepping out into the world, believe it or not, and he is on his way. And uh, it's been a unique time for me to spend with him, my wife and I, before he goes off on this major chapter in his life. And that has taught me a lot about fatherhood. Uh, You're always anxious for them to leave and go out of the nest, but there's also that part of you that is never ready to let go. What's that Michael Caine in a movie, great movie, called The Weatherman with Nicolas Cage, sort of a dark comedy. And he says, you never stop worrying about your children. Even when you're 80 years old or when they're 50 or 60, you never stop worrying about them. You always see them as the the children that, you know, that you're responsible for. And, and it's just poignant, but it teaches me a lot about, well, the obvious, which is how God feels about us, because he allows us to do what we have to do to gain the experience that we need to gain to make us better at what we do. And it's must be uh, in some way that I can't even begin to understand. I, I, I wonder what the emotion is when he watches his children step out into the world and try new things. And sometimes not with a whole lot of great success. And I know I bite my lip, lip more often than I used to, but it's, it's all in love. And um, if you've been a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So other new projects uh, that uh, I am involved with, for those who go back a few dozen podcasts, you might remember that I mentioned I was writing a second installment to my book. My first book, which is on Amazon, is called A New Revelation, and uh, and a, a New Revelation Exploring the Arantia Book. And I approached it from the point of view, as a lot of things that I do, with the Arantia book where I want to introduce people to it, like introducing people to a friend. And because the Arantia book can be somewhat intimidating, I, I tend to want to give the points that I think people would be most curious to know about. You know, if somebody were to come up and ask you, well, what is the Arantia book about? What would you say to them? Have you ever formulated any kind of a, you know, response to that? And, and so this podcast is always has that person in mind. Um, and, you know, I was watching something on social media. I don't know if you all know um, Penn and Gillette. They're a, a comedy magic team. They've been around forever, 30, 40 years. Anyway, Penn is the guy with the, the black bushy hair, if you're familiar with the group. And you've seen him on TV. He usually has it in a ponytail. It's long and black. A very intelligent man. Anyway, he had done a video, and he had made a really interesting point 
about people who proselytize. And he says, if you re- this is amazing. This is coming from a man who's an atheist, right? And he says, if you really believe that there is an afterlife and you really believe that it's going to be the best thing ever, and you really believe that I, as an atheist, am not going to be going there, and you don't try to save me, what does that say about you? That is such a unique perspective. He says, it's not like most atheists want to be proselytized too, but by the same token, if you really believe in what you believe, it would be like, and he used a great example, if you see that there's a bus coming and it's about to hit me, and I don't believe that there's a bus coming, I think you're just trying to fool with me, are you just going to step out of the way and let the bus hit me? Is that how much you hate me? That you would you would just let me kill myself or let, allow myself to die and, and in this case have eternal damnation? And I thought, boy, there's a that's an interesting uh, worth a discussion, don't you think? So it just kind of opens the door to, you know, why I think people who read the Urantia book, it's just like seeing a great movie or knowing a, a good symphony piece or a good opera or, or a great book. You want to share it with people because you love people and you want people to enjoy something as much as you. And if you care about them, or even if you don't care about them, you'll still want to share. You should at least still want to share some truth. What's that phrase? Too much has been given is much expected. So if if we're given the revelation and you believe it's a revelation and I believe it's a revelation, then shouldn't we be excited to share the good news? And uh, it is good news. So, in fact, there's some good things coming up in the Arantia community. Uh, just real quickly, uh, I wanted to share with you the new budget or the new 2022 annual report, which the Arantia Foundation puts out every year. It is out, the 2022 annual report. And if you go to urantia.org, you can very easily find it. And it's important. Also, the Arantia Association International has their annual report. So you can go there as well. And uh, and it's always good to know if you're curious to know how many book sales there are since last year, how many downloads. I find it interesting to learn how the revelation is growing. It would be like if you were able to know how the priests were doing in the Melchizedek days or how many, how, how much success uh, the early Christians were having. It's just, it's interesting to watch the growth of the fifth epical revelation. Also coming up is IC 23. I want to go so much. If I'm meant to go, I'll go. It's coming up soon too. They're going to have a bunch of people uh, there that are just, just real smart people that have a lot to share. Brad Garner's going to be there. Uh, Andre uh, Rodatis is going to be there. Sally Bedell will be there. Chuck Thurston will be there. There'll be some good people there. Your kids can come. They've got a full schedule. And I'm trying to find the date. I think it's in June. I think it's like June 9th. But if you Google it, is uh, oh, here we go. July 24th through the 28th. That's when it is. July 24th through the 28th. And it'll be uh, in Chicago, I believe, in or near Chicago. And then coming up uh, August 14th through the 18th is the Parliament of the World's Religion. So hopefully we'll have someone on 
from the foundation or from the fellowship, hint, hint, might want to come on and talk about that. And then, uh, and then of course, uh, UBIS is starting up again. So there are still some courses available at the Arantia Book International School. Uh, a few seats open if you want to join in and take a course. It's fun to do, and it takes me a couple hours a week, and you get to know some other Arantia Book readers. And more than anything, you're just exchanging ideas about the Arantia Book. And then hopefully in a couple of weeks, we'll have uh, Gabriel Rices back on to talk about the project going on with Jesus Metaverse. I understand that Gabriel was flying around the country over the last couple of weeks talking to some Urantia folks, and uh, they're looking for uh, people to donate. If you can make a $25 a month donation, oh, they're doing some incredible things. And if you go to us, let me see if I got a link here I can share with you. Uh, I think it's CFU, but I'm not sure. Centerforunity.com. And uh, they've got some good things coming up. They're they're making a lot of progress. And we will talk to Gabriel hopefully in the weeks ahead. So uh, there was a big presentation not long ago, March 28th, in L.A. at the L.A. Convergence, hosted by Ben Baller and the Unity Church. And uh, Gabriel was there, and he gave a, a great presentation. And it's on YouTube if you want to go see it. It's Gabriel Reinberg at the L.A. Convergence. And they have it on YouTube. So anyway, there's some good things coming up within the community. And also I have my new book, which I'm writing. I started to tell you about. And uh, it's it's about 24 chapters. And I'm just doing a second reread and going through and making sure that all of my spelling is correct. And man, what a project that is. I learned the, the, the lesson the first time. It's always good to proof your stuff as much as possible. Um. And I may one day go back to my first one and maybe do a revision. It's still a good book. I like my first one because it introduces basic concepts of the Arantia book under the auspices of why you should care. What is it that this book is telling you? And in my new book, uh, which right now the working title is, believe it or not, how the Arantia book will inspire a spiritual revival or something like that. That's my working title. Anyway, the coming spiritual age, that's what it's called. Anyway, and it's uh, it's a tough, but it covers, I think, some of the more important things on a, on a macro level, uh, how the Urantia book is going to influence the world on a macro level, how it's going to influence the sciences, how it's going to influence religion, how it's going to influence education, and, and perhaps even politics, and certainly astronomy and other sciences. So I, I hope that uh, to be done I've got a soft goal of having it done by the summer. And then at that point, I'll probably post pieces of it. And I'm thinking also of doing a audio book as well. So I've got some things going on, and I hope that you're doing all right in your corner of the universe. Uh, and I wanted to talk about a couple things. One is the fact that people are very concerned about the state of the world. There's a moral breakdown in the West. We see it when we turn on our TV and we see it when we look at our media. And I am of, I am absolutely convinced that it is tied to secularism. Everything right now is secularism. And secularism can mean many things. But in my mind, it means a world that is without God. It is a world that denies deity. It is a world that insists that 
Everything is a direct result of accidental causation. It is life minus spirit. That is secularism. And this is, whether it's on a social level, societal level, or if it's on an individual level, if you walk around in your life and you don't have the presence or the mindedness of spirit reality, spirit values, spirit meanings, spirit-driven purposes, uh, then you're living a life outside of everything else that is going on in the universe. You are separating yourself from God's, from the, the, the fruition of God the Supreme. And in fact, I cover some of that in the book. Because what is God the Supreme? Well, we all know from the Urantia book and from other teachings that God is infinitely perfect. God created everything. Uh, he, for him, a thousand days of our days is but one day to the Father. Uh, he is the first source and center of all things. He is the originator of energy. He is the uh, creator of mind, universal mind. And he is the father of all personalities. He is the source and he is the destiny of all personal well-beings. And if you don't live in that world, you're living outside of it. it. You're separate from that overriding philosophy. And that's what was happening in our society. And I don't want to come off like a moralist, but you know, when they when when young people today don't even think about deity, or they don't even think about the fact that our planet is one of the, I tell you what, I, I read something today, and I'll share it with you. This is the thought of the day. I hope I can find it. I saved it just for the podcast. Uh, it was entitled, It All Happens Here. It All Happened Here. And it reads from paper 20, section 5, paragraph 5. Your small and insignificant planet is of local universe concern simply because it is the mortal home world of Jesus of Nazareth. It was the scene of the final and triumphant bestowal of your creator son, the arena in which Michael won the supreme personal sovereignty of the universe of Nebadon. Now, as a, as a seasoned reader of the Arantia book and a student, I can appreciate the full conceptual s- statement that that is. Taking the first part of it, which is, our little world out in the middle of nowhere is got the attention of the rest of the local universe. Wow, that's a concept. You mean there are other universes that are really intelligent and they know about us and we don't know about them? Then the second concept that this paragraph conveys, the mortal home world of Jesus of Nazareth, the scene of the final and triumphant bestowal of our Creator's Son, Right, So he came here, he was special. Before he even came here, he was known in the universe as the Creator's son. And his name was Michael. So I can conceptualize that he's not just Jesus of our world, he is Michael of the universe of Nebadon, which is comprised or will be comprised of 10 million worlds under the domain of this Jesus of Nazareth. And he won the personal sovereignty. So I can appreciate that. Now, if you compare that to the average Christian view of Jesus, they, they're they still debating whether or not he was even divine. I mean, Christians accept the divinity of Jesus 
But the story is Jesus, the only begotten Son, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. We know the rest of the story. That's a great story in and of itself, that God would send his only begotten Son to our world to pay the price for our salvation. That's the Christian message. And that message has warmed and changed the hearts of hundreds of millions of people. That simple message. Imagine if that message was amplified by the conceptual expansion that involves a local universe, the fact that he won supreme personal sovereignty when he went to the bosom of the Father. So it's just an expansion of an original concept. And that's what the Arantia book's great strength is, is it takes something that that is just scantily mentioned and it expounds and gives us a fuller story and a fuller appreciation. So, but most people are spiritually illiterate or that they're tied to one specific belief system and that is all the belief system they can fit. Uh, and, and a lot of people have just given up on religion. And I think that's one of the problems we have in our, because see, when you don't have, when secularism eventually creates a, a leadership vacuum and someone has to assume the role of leadership and the fragility of our system right now is really opening the door to more tyranny in the form of government regulation and lowering of quality of living for all people and more criminality. Because when the government assumes the role and it's the, it's who we look to for leadership or who we look to for inspiration or guidance or protection, it's run by men. And men are weak. Men can be corrupted. Men are imperfect. And, and so secularism is an attempt by us to do things our own way without any, what's the word, any, you know, there's no taking into consideration that you know, maybe we should be aware of the fact that we're being watched by our unseen friends. And maybe we should be aware of the fact that the most high rules in the kingdoms of men. And we're aided by seraphic uh, uh, forces around us. And that there's a purpose that we're here. And we're working towards uh, peace on, on earth and goodwill with all men. But you can't have that unless you have uh, a deity. What's that one line? It, it, it takes real spiritual pressure from above before there's real change below. And we're in the below part. And we're in a new period of our uh, existence where we're trying out a bunch of new things and we're questioning uh, some of the things that have been our traditions, including our religions and our faith. And science is sobering us up and superstition is falling by the wayside. And so they've thrown the baby out with the bathwater, science has. And I cover some of that in my book too. In fact, I dedicate three chapters to secularism and the dangers it brings. And so, and a good example of that is with our youth. Now we want to talk a little bit about our youth a little bit and what we're seeing in the streets. If you watch the news and you're paying attention and one of the repercussions of COVID and the shutdown of society coupled with two decades of children being empowered with this idea of activism, we're now seeing what the Arantia book warned, warned us about. In paper 8, in paper 111, uh, and in paper 71, it points out certain things that we have to be aware of 
Otherwise, our fragile system will disintegrate. It warns us of this. So one of the repercussions of COVID, as I mentioned, is that it locked down society and it's created a ripple effect, an economic ripple effect. And now people are are not as, uh, not as uh, they don't have as much faith in their institutions as they used to. So let's, let's read from paper eight, where it reads, civilization is a racial acquirement. It is not biologically inherent. Hence must all children be reared in an environment of culture, while each succeeding generation of youth must receive anew its, its education. The superior qualities of civilization, scientific, philosophic, and religious, are not transmitted from one generation to another by direct inheritance. These cultural achievements are preserved only by the enlightened conservation of social inheritance. So what that means is all of the good things that we've learned through trial and error, through our evolutionary progress, we can't throw everything away. We have to keep, like, for example, the importance of family is crucial. Uh, The importance of respect for older people is crucial. Uh, Tapping into the experience of our wise citizens, our wise older citizens is crucial. You know, young people today don't, don't talk to their grandparents anymore like they used to. Used to be when I was young, which wasn't that long ago, I hope, uh, I would spend time with my grandparents and I would talk to them about what it was like growing up. In fact, a couple of years ago, I lost my wife's uh, grandmother and I got to know her for 20 years. I We would see her at least once a year. And uh, I learned so much from this woman, and she was so eager to share with me what it was like to grow up after World War I, what it was like to grow up during World War II and the Depression and the 50s and the 60s and, and even up unto uh, the present day. And you don't get that from a book, and you don't get it from a movie. You get it by talking to people who know and have experience. And so young children today aren't being exposed to that rich knowledge. That's why when they say it's a racial acquirement, it has to be handed down. It's not something that people are born with. This, the, We're not born with the experience of the past. It has to be taught to us. And superior qualities of civilization, philosophy, religion, uh, science, those also have to be passed down by direct generation from one to another. Now let's get on to paper 111 when it talks about the inner life. And this is crucial because we see a lot of what's happening with our youth today. They are totally absorbed in the external world. They have social media, Instagram, uh, Snapchat, uh, TikTok. Uh, They are constantly gaming. Uh, They're, you know, it's just, it's the, they're dazzled by life. They're just absolutely dazzled. But check out what it says in paper 111. And this is why I think we're experiencing the problems with our youth. It reads, Recognition is the intellectual process of fitting the sensory impressions received from the external world into the memory patterns of the individual. Understanding connotes that these recognized sensory impressions and their associated memory patterns have become integrated or organized into a dynamic network of principles. Then it goes on to say, meanings are derived from a combination of recognition and understanding. Meanings are non-existent in a wholly sensory or material world. 
meanings and values are only perceived in the inner or supermaterial spheres of human experience. Meanings and values. What are meanings and values? Meanings and values is the evaluation of your life. What did you learn today? What experience did you have today with someone that you met? What time do you give to yourself to sit down at the end of the day or perhaps in the morning when you're about to start your day? What time do you give in evaluating the meanings and values of the relationships that you have, of the work that you do, of the contributions that you make uh, to your fellow people at work or at school or in any other social environment? And what are the values that you get from the work that you do and how do those values help you become perhaps a better person or closer to God? Those ideas only occur in the mind, the inner mind, the inner spheres of human experience. Uh, With all of the distractions and the toys and everything that we're doing today, what this is saying is that young people without the inner world cannot develop meanings and values moral perceptions, ethical obligations. Because the very next paragraph states this, paper 111, section 4, paragraph 3, the advances of true civilization are all born in this inner world of mankind. It is the only inner life that is truly creative. Civilization can hardly progress when the majority of the youth of any generation devote their interests and energies to the materialistic pursuits of the sensory or outer world. The inner and outer worlds have a different set of values. Any civilization is in jeopardy when three-quarters of its youth enter materialistic professions and devote themselves to the pursuit of the sensory activities of the outer world. Civilization is in danger when youth neglect to interest themselves in ethics, sociology, eugenics, philosophy, the fine arts, religion, and cosmology. So much of what we are seeing today would be corrected if the education that we were giving to our to our young would would go back to its original purpose. And the Arantia book in large degree provides this vision. Consider this from paper seventy one, section seven. Urantians should get a vision of a new and high a higher cultural society. Education will jump to new levels of value with the passing of the purely profit motive system of economics. Education has too long been localistic, militaristic, ego-exalting, and success-seeking. It must eventually become worldwide, idealistic, self-realizing, and cosmic-grasping. Education recently passed from the control of the clergy to that of lawyers and businessmen. Eventually, it must be given over to the philosophers and the scientists. Teachers must be free beings, not real leaders, to the end that philosophy, the search for wisdom, may become the chief educational pursuits. Education is the business of living. It must continue throughout a lifetime so that mankind may gradually experience the ascending levels of mortal wisdom. And here are the the, uh, seven things that they list. The ascending levels of mortal wisdom. So they're saying this is what this is what we have education for. Not completely, not 100%, because you get education from your family and people that have wisdom, and you, you gain that wisdom by having conversation and have relationships with these people. 
but they list the seven things that are important when we teach our young. The knowledge of things, the realization of meanings, the appreciation of values, the nobility of work, duty, the motivation of goals, morality. Thank goodness I, I, I look at these, and I do know a, a lot of people who are so good with their children, and they do teach these. They really do, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm not, not too worried about how, at least I'm not too worried about how people I know, and I hope that it's the majority. And then there's two more, two more things that education should be concerned with. The love of service, which is character. And they do teach this to our young, although it's now been politicized. And then cosmic insight is number seven, spiritual discernment. And that's a tough one because our schools right now are in a battle. Uh, there are the, the unions really want to strip schools of all religious reference except for like history. Uh, and even then it's scant and it's often not accurate. Uh, they tend to teach religion as if it's a past event, that it has no more relevance. And this is why a lot of people are homeschooling, and this is certainly why a lot of people prefer going to Catholic schools or charter schools or Christian schools. If I had it to do all over again, I would definitely have put my, my child in a Christian or a Catholic school because it seems like people that go to these schools end up being more settled in their life and they're not subject to the trends and the cultural breeze that blows through. And so the Urantia book is offering us some tips on, on how we can get better at what we're doing here. And I, and I, do you appreciate that? I appreciate that. I appreciate that very much. I appreciate the section on government on a neighboring planet because we have within our grasp, we can read about how other people on another world live that are a little bit like us and we can learn from them. And, and even that section, maybe we'll get into it sometime in more detail. The, the point I'm trying to make is the revelators are trying to help us. And they point out, if you just work on these things and improve these things, life will improve tremendously. You're not that far away. That's what it's saying. You're not that far away. Just keep at it. Don't give up and don't lose hope and, and keep God nearby. Just that's, I think at the foundationally, I would say, start there. You have to have that philosophical grounding and then everything else, you know, they say, if you build a house on fault, faulty foundation, the house will never stand. And so there we have it. Another edition in the can, as they say, Hey, one thing I do want to share with you is that we are trying a new experiment called your radio again. And if you go to the website, urantiaradio.net, at night, we'll always have something related to the Urantia book playing, whether it's past interviews, whether it's music. And lately, we've been playing the Bill Sadler tapes from 1959. So you can check that out, and it'll play on any player, and there's no fee, and you don't sign up for anything, and there's no cookies. It's just Urantia Radio. And I usually get it started by 6 o'clock. Uh, I'm a little late tonight, and it'll be up pretty much all weekend. And I hope you'll keep it on in the background and it's used for inspiration. And until the next time, I really appreciate you stopping by. And again, if you want to reach me, your Rancho Book Radio at gmail.com. So we'll leave you with David Dinger's Cry at Night. Great music. Rancho Radio Podcast. See you next time.